Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Allison Reeves, who is a business, marketing, and mindset coach. Allison, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for asking. We like to jump right in, as I'm sure you know. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Yeah. Um I'm a business coach and I live in Houston, Texas, which I actually enjoy. I think it has a lot to offer. It's got one of the best museum districts in the country. For fun, my husband and I like to ride our bikes all around Houston. I'm also a musician and a creative. And so I spend a lot of time on weekends and evenings finding things to do around town where I can bring an instrument and play around with people. Oh, do you like play at venues and stuff? I haven't in a long time until... Literally last week. So I just had my first gig in over nine years last week. And it wasn't a paid gig, but it was still fun. I gotcha. And what is your instrument of choice? Um, Guitar. Gotcha, gotcha. Do you write your own music? I do. I haven't written any new music again in well over 10 years, but I most of what I play is written. Okay, okay. So you love riding your bike around Houston and you're a musician and creative, so you'll play gigs. And when you're not playing gigs, since you hadn't done it for that like nine year period, how does guitar fit into your life? Do you just practice by yourself? Do you play with your husband or friends, et cetera? I wish, I wish my, my husband is not musical, but he does love music. Yeah, so in those like, in that big gap, um, when I wasn't playing music, I think I was like just overly focused on work. So we have friends and we'll play board games and we love to do things around town. Like we'll see art openings or go to concerts or we do, we also love food and Houston has a lot to offer for food. So we eat out a lot, but I think the reason why I introduced music back in my life was because I wasn't doing enough fun things for myself besides biking and eating basically. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, glad to hear that you noticed that and took action to correct it for sure. And so business marketing and mindset coach, what is your favorite thing to coach clients on business marketing or mindset? Or do they all three intertwine for you all the time? They all three intertwines. I have a really hefty like background in marketing, but the two things I love to combine the most are the business strategy and the mindset side. And on the mindset side, I, I know mindset can mean a lot of things. And I also know business and marketing can mean a lot of things, but the mindset side for me is really having a like a nervous system nourishing business that's like where your business feels good to your body. Um, so like we want to scale to six figures, multiple six figures and beyond, but not at the expense of our joy or like time with our families or, and so that's what I'm kind of obsessed with is like, it sounds generic. So I try to say it different ways, but building a business and a life that you love. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. So kind of like the lifestyle business vibe. Yeah. And whatever that means for someone, like it may not mean traveling and, you know, working at internet cafes. It could be like, I just want to get off work at 2 PM every day so I can hang out with my kids. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Well, tell us about your motivation. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? I think 
like the first thing that comes to mind is is freedom is the first word that comes to mind as far as my business is concerned what gets me up and going is like when things get hard and I'm like could always go and get a job which obviously would be the worst but you know when it gets hard <laughs> think about <laughs> like I could go back and do something what keeps me going is like I want to sit on this couch behind me like 80% of the time when I'm awake <laughs> so that that keeps me going. I don't know what else gets me up in the morning. That's like the main thing, as far as and I I don't know if your your question is like just in the context of work, but like freedom and flexibility are huge for me as far as entrepreneurship, and then enjoyment of life, and like finding more enjoyment of life is the it's the only other thing that gets me up in the morning is like trying to find more enjoyment of life. And where do you typically find more enjoyment of life? Cause that's an interesting, uh, it's not interesting cause it makes sense, but the words you used, it makes you kind of want to dive a little deeper into it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting cause I feel like I'm pretty bad at this. So like, yeah. this is like part of why I'm obsessed with it. I remember I had a client who before she ever became a client, I was doing market research. I wasn't even doing like a sales call, but I remember I said, you know, what's motivating you to want to grow your business more. And she she got a little emotional and I got emotional hearing it. And she said, I just don't enjoy anything about my life anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I have a new, like she had a newborn and she couldn't spend quality time with them. She was stressed out about money all the time and just nothing was fun. And I feel like that's something I really relate to where I had this point in my business in, and not just my business, but in my life. And I guess it was 2021. So like in post the most of the craziness from 2020, but still kind of in the middle of it all. It was like, what am I doing all this for? And I realized when I took away my business, I had kind of lost all of my purpose. Like I felt disconnected from my husband, disconnected from my family. Like I was taking better care of my health, but part of me was like, for what? (laughs) Like for what, you know? And so I feel like part of my part of what I'm really interested in is like wanting to enjoy life more and also like wanting to want to enjoy life more. It's like, I'm like, I don't want that empty feeling anymore. Like I'm here on this planet. So I should do something with it. Right. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but. Makes a lot of sense. Wanting to want to enjoy life more. Yeah. So when you have that desire in your head and you're like, okay, how do I want to want to enjoy life? more? What, <laughs> What thoughts run through your head? You're like, what action steps, what feelings, like, how do you go about doing that in life? Um, so for me, it's like, I'm, I'm seeking satisfaction. So what I found when it was like, I was doing everything for my business. And so like everything that motivated me from like 2019 to 2021 was all about money and business. And then I kind of like went into this depression where it was really hard for me to take action in my business. And then business was like, I was struggling in 2021 in the summer of 2021. And so I realized like when I took the business away, I've just felt like such a void that like this feeling of like this void. And so the way that I think about it and the way that I think about it now and getting back into music is like, I want to fill that feeling of like emptiness or feeling low or like, I want to make sure I'm not just living for my business. I want to make sure I'm living for something bigger so that I am motivated and joyful. And so I think about it's like the feeling that I'm chasing is just this feeling of like, 
Um, like I had this moment this weekend where I was sitting in a coffee shop outside with two of my friends and their son. And he was like collecting different colored rocks and created a cave uh, out of this cement cinder block. He's like putting all the rocks in the little cave. And I was, I just felt so joyful and peaceful in that moment. I'm just like supporting this like six-year-old building this cave. It was beautiful weather sitting outside. And I was like, it just felt really good and peaceful. And that's the feeling that I'm like, quote unquote, chasing in life is just joy at being. And that takes like finding the experiences that make me feel full. And so one of those things I rediscovered that was missing was music. Like it's like a part of my soul that I just neglected for 10 years. I gotcha. I gotcha. So the living for something bigger isn't necessarily committing your life to a bigger cause, but it's like seeking out activity that makes you feel full. Yeah. And I think it is like, I think having a bigger cause is important. So like my, my quote unquote bigger causes would be like, I want to have like a a retirement that is wealthy. I want to be able to travel more. It's like a lot of what a lot of people want when they're trying to get out of a nine to five where they can't control their income. Like I want to be able to control my income. Um, And then the other part of that is it has to be in a way where I feel like it's doing something good. So in my corporate career, I was in an industry for a while that I didn't really feel like was doing that much good. Um, and that's part of what made me want to start working for myself or, and it's part of why I pivoted from working with just real estate, which definitely has meaning and purpose. You can definitely have soul in real estate, but I didn't have soul in real estate. I had soul helping women entrepreneurs who are building families or like are spiritual and heart centered. And that felt more meaningful to me. So like, I definitely have that side of like a bigger purpose, but I didn't have that like for like me, (laughs) like it was all about like me pouring into something else. And it wasn't about like my existence. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Really cool. Thanks for sharing. Deep question. I like it. (laughs) Here we are. What else? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm curious what, what else besides music kind of fills that void for you? Music and business, I guess, because you said business uh, plays a part as well. Yeah. Business plays a part. I just realized it can't be the whole thing. (laughs) It can't be all of it. Yeah. I think I'm still figuring that out. Um, like something else I'm really seeking out is I'd love to have more spiritual experiences with people. And I went to this, it doesn't fit in my schedule that well, but, um, there's a very, there's like a world renowned museum in Houston called the Menil collection. And they have just beautiful grounds, like Um, and a lot of people picnic and play out there, but there's this group that meets there every single Sunday, rain or shine, no matter what. And they do, um, a group meditation with, I guess it's called sound healing where they use like the sound bowls and chimes. And they do that for like an hour and a half and everybody just like lays down and meditates together. And it's like, not like five people. It's like 50 to a hundred people or more in this park. And they, so they have like speakers all around. So you can hear no matter where you are. And that felt really fulfilling to me too, but it was still like, I'm looking, I want to connect with people in ways that are not just like networking or, um, can I curse on your show? Or do you yeah, not curse? Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> the word that comes to mind is shooting the shit. Like, I don't want to just like 
I like networking, but I don't want to just like talk about like surface level stuff. Like I want to talk about um, meaning and purpose and my nervous system. And like, I don't want to talk about trauma, but I want to talk about resilience or like, I don't know. So I'm seeking something like that and I haven't really found it yet, but I like know, I know what it feels like, but I'm looking for that. How do you know what it feels like if you haven't found it? Was there something in your past that was like that? Or you just know the feeling in your body? I think I've had uh, feelings like that in my past. I mean, I was like super involved in church for most of my life and then wasn't. <laughs> so <laughs> I I know like a semblance of that connection. What I didn't like about what I'm looking for now that's different than just like going to a church is like less judgment, less restriction, more expansiveness. Like I don't, I want to meet with people who, I want to connect with people who are different than me, who, yeah, I don't know. What does it feel like? I know what it feels like in my body. It just feels like, it feels like helping my friend's kid feel a cave of rocks. It just feels like peace and ease and like light and airy and no expectations. And I went on a spiritual retreat last year in Colorado. And I guess that's probably the closest experience I've had to having. Yeah. Maybe that is what I'm seeking is the experience I had in Colorado locally <laughs> in Houston, Texas, somewhere where I can connect with open-minded like minds. I got you. Tell us about Colorado. I went on a spiritual retreat called Juvois, which is organized by um, someone named Jenny Khan mm. on Instagram. And um, Juvois is French for I see. It's spelled J-E-V-O-I-S. And so over that four days, first of all, I loved the like just connecting with other women from all walks of life. Not all of them were entrepreneurs. A lot of them, I mean, actually most of them were not entrepreneurs, which is unusual for me because I just am so used to doing everything around business. Yeah. Um, but the whole idea of the retreat was like looking back at your past and then looking now at your current and then creating vision for the future. And so they did things like teaching us about intuition and they did things that were really different, like past life regression meditation. <laughs> Um, and which was like, I was just really open-minded about everything. But the thing that sticks out in my mind about that retreat was like the, just the connection with people who are all like looking at the deepest parts of themselves together. Okay. Okay. And so what did that connection manifest as? Was it conversation about the deepest parts of each other together? Was it meditation on the deepest parts of yourself together but separately what was that interaction actually like where you're like I'm experiencing the deepest part of you and you're experiencing the deepest part of me in the way I want it to happen yeah I think all of those things so there was like meditation was a part of some of the retreats um not some of the retreats but some of the activities we did at the retreat um we did breath work we did the past life regression. We also had a lot of really, it was a luxury retreat. So we had a lot of really beautiful meals and experiences together. And so like having a day where we were like workshopping all day on various topics and learning and asking questions and doing work and then ending the day with celebrations every night. I think all of those ways are ways that we connected. I think what's missing, what was missing for me from that retreat that I'm still kind of looking for is like more of my people. Like that retreat felt very, compared to other retreats I've been to that were all women, it felt like 
it's, I think, hard at a retreat or any kind of group activity where people don't know each other to make sure that everybody feels welcome Mm -hmm. and heard and seen. And that retreat did a very good job at like holding space for all the women that were there. I think what I want is that consistently, like that group of friends or people or that I can go and have those experiences with and celebrate and meditate and cry and talk about life and and learn. Yeah. 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 No, I feel you. So it sounds like there was like, there was growth together because you guys were workshopping on topics, but then there was kind of that deep introspection. Was it separately in the same space or was it deep introspection together? A lot of it was together, but I think there, and I think most of it was together because the schedule was like super packed. So I think there was meant to be more time individually too. Like there was a lot of journaling. And so I think people did have introspection individually, but almost everything happened with all of us together. I got you. But in the all together, was it like you meditating and somebody next to you was meditating or was it you in conversation meditating with somebody? How did that look? It was somebody leading a meditation. I got you. I got for you. the whole group. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. So there was kind of deep introspective meditation. There was like uh, the growth together in the workshops and then there was the celebration at night. Yeah. I got you. I, um, <laughs> I'm very similar. I, I love community, um, but I hate how community is structured nowadays and I'm Christian. I go to church and I hate how the church is structured. Honestly, uh, <laughs> my, my wife really loves church. And she likes church. And so I often go to just support her, but like how church is structured and how the community is, even the ideal community that church kind of cast the vision for, I think is really crappy. And I think you're kind of getting at this and it's something I've always wanted for a while, but it's like an intertwining of our lives together with an expansive vision for our lives together. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, you said it earlier, like shooting the shit. <laughs> I I really dislike hanging out with people and we just kind of talk about like the weather or like how our weeks were and we're both doing separate things and we don't really have that much to relate on. And we know there's some problems in each of our lives, but we're not bearing those burdens together. Like that mm, grinds my gears. Yeah. The, the vision of like intertwining life where it's like, we're going deep together and like holding each other accountable and growing together. But then we also eat together, feast together, party together, take care of our children together. Like that type of community is something like I've been longing for. And I've been able to kind of like put my thumb on of like, especially like the three major spots, like you have relationships, you have health and you have wealth. If I could find a community of people that intertwine those three things and we're going after it together in a really big way, I think that's what I'm seeking. And kind of what I'm hearing for you yeah. Like you could tell me if I'm wrong or not. But. No, totally. That's it. It's funny. Cause when you're saying all that, I'm like, Oh, you need to create that. And then I'm like, Oh, I need to create that. Like maybe <laughs> we need to create because it's, I've been, I think I've been in church communities that were like, like bordering the vibe that you're talking about where I wasn't involved in that community, but I could think of a church here in Houston where I'm like, I feel like it's close to that community. Um, I think the hard thing about the challenge of having a really authentic Christian community is that authentic piece because I think, and that that's different for every denomination, every church culture. So I'm making a super judgmental blanket statement, having been a Christian for most of my life. And also I graduated Bible college, which is like another whole story, (laughs) but like, so I'm saying this with a lot of context and this is a very judgmental blanket statement. I just recognize that, but I think it is hard for Christians often to like 
be in the depths with each other and live authentically because there are so many expectations around avoiding doing bad things, whatever bad means for that culture. Mm-hmm. So like, and it's different for every church culture where bad could be drinking, bad could be cursing, bad could be, I mean, like premarital sex. I was going to say like having sex outside of marriage. And so then like you're single and your dating life might be a secret or so there's like so many different things that could be bad in the Christian culture. So then it creates like this, this like, culture that's not fully authentic. Um, and that's really hard, even in the cultures I've been in, like there's like small groups, like some churches have small groups, which is what I'm thinking of where you like, you meet, like you get organized, you meet at someone's house for dinner and you get more of that casual conversation, kids playing with each other, ordering pizza, playing games, but there's still that edge of like, I can't be fully authentic. It's still like a church thing. So I don't know. What do you think is the solution to that? It's like, I, so I had a really tight knit community in college. I led Young Life in college. And are you familiar with what Young Life is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those who are listening who aren't, we would go to high schools, we'd do ministry together. It was like a 20 hour, 25 hour a week thing between like doing ministry, hanging out, and then hanging out with kids. It was like 20 to 25 of our hours weekly. So we were really in it together. And then we went to college together. So like we'd be in the same classes. I, I went to a small college, probably 2000 students. We would be in the same classes, like doing the same homework. We'd be eating meals together. I mean, it was life together. And there was still that, um, you know, this Christian community. So there are high expectations. We actually signed a contract saying we couldn't uh, drink, do drugs, or have sex before marriage. And um, yeah, so there was that expectation there. And I made a request. And it was such a silly request for a Christian community, but I think it's the key. And it was a, a request that we sin together and i say sin together because we were all sinning individually anyway like we were all screwing up in our lives everybody does it and my request was just that we did it together and accepted it and for a specifically christian context um first corinthians 13 talks about love does not rejoice at wrongdoing but it rejoices with the truth and I mm-hmm. love that verse because oh, I love that. Oh, it's so good. For the longest time, I didn't understand why it was in there. And I was reading over it, reading over it, reading over it, just thinking through it, thinking through it. And then it dawned upon me. I'm like, that is how you're supposed to treat sin. It's yeah. not like we're not rejoicing at the wrongdoing of the sin. Like, yeah, it's bad to have limiting thoughts. It's bad to have limiting beliefs. It's bad to do this, bad to do that, bad to do that. You can say all that, but we're not judging and we're rejoicing at the truth that you came to us with that vulnerability. And when you accept people and love them, despite their sin, despite their wrongdoing, that's when lives really start to change Yeah, as much as this is so powerful. And so, and that is like such a huge challenge. Like what you're saying, this is like, this is like a message for me today, (laughs) (laughs) but like, it's such a hard challenge because, and at least in the culture that I was in, in church, it was like, it was almost like a see something, say something culture. Mm -hmm. And so like, like I, I even remember like I was leading a women's group and there was a woman who was dressing in a way that was provocative. She's showing a lot of skin. And I'm like, I need to tell her not to do that. Yep. And I did. And she was like, it's just skin. And I was, I was like, I didn't make a big deal out of it, but inside I was like raging, like you're causing my brothers to stumble. I was so angry. <laughs> I, but part of the reason why, I, like in hindsight, part of the reason why I was so angry is because 
I was letting, I wasn't living the life that I wanted to live. I was letting all of these things around me control it. And so then when I saw somebody living the way they wanted to live, I was salty about it. And I think that's what happens a lot in Christian culture. And you see, you see this all the time with leadership, like holding people to the standard that they're not holding themselves to, but then it's so hard. Like, how would we change that culture of like, and I just love what you said. I'm sure there's a better way to say it for marketing. (laughs) <laughs> like, like, so like, let's sin together. Like, yeah. and I think outside of Christian circles, it's more like we can like, you know, my cycling friends, for example, where some of them are Christians and some of them are not like, we all just know that we're different and it's not a thing, but in Christian culture, like, I love that. That's so powerful. Like, let's just sin together. And that, that verse you mentioned is so powerful that like, let's just celebrate the truth. I don't know what somebody's experiences are. I don't know what their path is supposed to be. I don't know what God's will for their life is. And so like, it's not my place to tell somebody that I don't like how they're dressing. Yeah. (laughs) It's my place to dress how I want to dress. (laughs) It's a fact. It's a fact. And if you're really concerned about how somebody is dressing and you really think it's coming from a bad place, like that's the thing about the Bible. I don't even think like Christian culture really sets high expectations and then like punishes you if you don't have it. There's a bunch of social pressure. It makes everybody feel icky, but that is not love at all. And the Bible is all about loving people well. And so if you sought to understand that person and it's like, if they're really dressing that way out of some insecurity or out of some like uh, thing that is bad for their heart, then you understand that and you walk through that with them or they're dressing like that because it's okay to dress like that and you're being hypocritical and have something going on in you that you need some help being walked through with. Either way, it's like- Either way, the solution is not to correct someone. Exactly. You yeah. like seek to understand and then love them through that or seek to be understood and then allow yourself to be loved through that. Mm. Um, but that's what I- Yeah, Christian culture, it riles me up. We're <laughs> <laughs> on the same page. <laughs> But it's it's true that like it's so it's so close like community and Christian culture is so close if you could just get to that point where people can be authentic and then love each other in that authenticity but the rules and the kind of legalism around it just prevents it and it's a huge barrier it's like a huge and I know it's like that one thing but it's like it's not a simple fix because it's just a huge part of the culture is is looking at somebody for what they're doing wrong. It's like, you're, it's like you're at least in the culture. I like to kind of joke. Cause I feel like I came from like Protestant culture and I feel like like part of the brand is to fight, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and I went to Bible college and like part of the brand is to fight. Like we're just studying the Bible so we can argue about things more uh, often. It's like my nightmare. I don't, don't know <laughs> how that happened to me, but um, yeah, it's, it is a big part of the culture. So it's a big, that'd be a big shift. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, it's one of the things you said created. It's like I'm working on it. It's slow, slow churning, <laughs> slow churning, but the life together, the really intertwining life and then embracing the authenticity and loving people through it. It's uh it's my vision for the community that I'll be in one day mm. for sure. But, well, awesome. Let's jump into your dreams and goals now. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about tell us about your vision for your life, vision for your company, and um yeah. Yeah, I wish it was bigger, but I feel like my simple answer is like, especially after kind of semi burning out last year, I just want to, I want to make enough money, like being a millionaire would be great. And like, maybe that's in the cards for me, but really like if I could do consistent, like 20 to 50 K months, 
I would just be chilling with like maybe one full-time employee. Yeah. Uh, my husband is, he's an artist too, but he does 3D illustration and animation. Mm-hmm. And so he works mostly in oil and gas because that's like where the higher paying clients are. But he's an artist and like, I would love for him to focus on doing sculpture again. Like I have a dream of like, what if I could replace both our income so he could really get that going? Um, I love to travel more. Like that's something that drives me to to have abundant money instead of just paying the bills is I want to see more things. My husband is older too. So we, I feel like we have a little bit of a ticking ticking clock compared to other couples who would be like just my age is like, we're going to travel before he can't get around that well. Um, you might yeah, have asked how old. I, I won't answer that on the podcast, but I would tell you later. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. It's a, it's a significant age gap, but it's not like crazy. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but it's significant enough to where like, we're going to be retiring at very different ages. So there's, we have to think about practical things that some people don't have to think about. Definitely. Um, yeah. And that's like, that's what drives me is just, I want to live a simple, peaceful life. I, yeah. Does that answer your question? My dreams and goals. It that's does. it. It does. You have to have a wealthy retirement travel a little bit more and help my husband create more art. I love it. So being a millionaire, if it were in the cards, but really it's consistent 20 to 50 K months, allowing your husband to focus on doing sculpture and then traveling more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like being a millionaire sounds great and all, but what the, the thing I realized because my, my biggest month so my biggest month so far was a 60 K month. And the, the team I have now is one assistant. I call her my sidekick. Cause I feel like she's more than an assistant, but part-time contractor sidekick, and then like a couple of contractors here and there, no full-time employees. And with a seven-figure business, you have to really get serious about like having a more structured team. And I could I could change my mind about this, but right now I'm like, I like how simple it is. Yeah. And yeah. Like, you can make a lot of money with it being pretty simple. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, awesome. Um, what about from investments? Just take the 60K and invest, you know, 40 of it or whatever. And I feel like that would make you a millionaire fairly quickly. Yeah, that would have been a better way to use that money. (laughs) (laughs) I wish we had talked in 2020. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I got into kind of a hole because I was like, and this is like part of my story. I got sucked into this. There's this toxic mindset in the coaching industry that you can just like spend more money on masterminds and it will come back to you. Mm -hmm. And like that works until it doesn't. Like I ROI'd in a couple of masterminds in a row. And then I didn't ROI in two very expensive masterminds and went into debt. And so like that you're kind of sold this dream on like, okay, if I buy into this mastermind that's from a multiple seven figure, eight figure entrepreneur, I will like absorb their energy and become successful. And again, that works until it doesn't. It works for lots of reasons. Like it pushes you, you get more knowledge, but Sometimes the only thing that's going to help you grow your business is just more time. And I had grown over 200% for three consecutive years in a row. And there's a point in which like you can't do that again. <laughs> you just need some more time. Um, but yeah, that's definitely, I feel like in my future, probably, I don't know, some kind of investing either. Um, I've sold a blog before, so either blog flipping um, Maybe real estate investing. I was in real estate investing for seven years and I could never get my head around doing it for myself. I was doing marketing for wholesalers. Um, Mm. I know that would be a great way to grow my income, but I just like can't get my head around it. 
Why can't you get your head around it? Because real estate stresses me out. Even buying my own house, I'm like, oh, like I had this, I would have loved to move. And I started going through the process to get pre-approved for a mortgage. And I was like, oh, I hate this so much. It's just like, and it's, my husband is not really a part of that process. And so I would need way more help if we were going to do real estate investing. Like I'd have to be way more on top of my stuff. <laughs> I got you. The I details, you. the nitty gritty are like overwhelming. And then there is like with wholesaling, there's not that much risk involved, but if you're doing rentals and flips, like you really have to know your numbers. You have to have good contractors. There's a lot of moving parts and seeing other people do it. I'm like, I would love to help somebody do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Have you ever heard of apartment syndication? Mm -mm. Mm. There's this book called the best ever apartment syndication book by Joe Fairless. It, uh, there's extreme risk for sure. Cause it's, <laughs> It's business, like there's risk in business, um, but not nearly as much as like, it would more fit your kind of lifestyle, uh, business lifestyle investment, because with flips, you know, you're going to have to be managing contractors left and right. It's going to be really difficult. Wholesaling, it's, you know, you're going to be on the phone with sellers and then you're going to be trying to find these buyers and then, um, and rentals, rentals are great, but you can also have one major repair go wrong and it sinks your cash flow for the year which is just like that's fine well, and that's like that's what i hear with rentals is like you cannot really count on the cash flow at all it's all about the appreciate exit strategy yeah yeah but with apartment syndication it's uh you're like pooling investors money together and so you would I don't know, with from all your masterminds, if you had other coaches making a hundred thousand a month, you'd be like, Hey, you guys should be creating an investment vehicle and you would talk to a hundred of them and a hundred of them would give you fifty K and five million down on a fifteen million dollar apartment and you would raise the money. And so it's risk, but it's not necessarily you're not risking five million dollars. You might have two hundred K of your own in the deal and then you raise the other five to seven million. Yeah. But you can also just be a private lender. <laughs> literally, no. Yeah. You can also you can be on the limited partner side where it's passive, but yeah. there's a lot about apartment syndication that I think you would enjoy. So you should There's probably more um upside on apartment syndication, whereas with private lending, you could do like maximum ten or twelve percent. Oh yeah. With a, with apartment then, syndication, I mean, you make 3% of the deal on an acquisition fee when you're on the general partnership. So if you close a $30 million deal, you're going to make $900,000 or whatever 3% of that is. And then you'll split it between the GP team, which is what I was getting to. You bring in partners of like, maybe you want to do the investor relations where you want to talk to investors, but then you have somebody else do the acquisitions and then somebody else does the like paperwork and stuff. And then all three of you do asset management where you hop on with a property manager once a week and make sure the project's on point. But um, I've just talked to some guys that like, it just really blew up and they're probably cheaper than the masterminds you'd have to join or cheaper than probably some of the masterminds you've already joined. So something to think about if you want to get to investing in real estate in a less stressful way, because that's the way I'm going. I'm a big advocate of it. Um, but, have you started? Yeah. So I'm actually getting a group of people together for the longest time. Um, I say for the longest time, I'm 23. So, <laughs> 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 um, I was, uh, I just didn't have a consistent stream of income in college to like invest in getting deals or invest in getting investors. So I'm getting a group of people together that want to do that right now. And, I'll be starting here in May, like sending out mailers to investors to raise capital and sending out mailers to 
off-market apartment complexes, 50 plus units, like either get them on seller finance deals or, um, you know, syndicate them. So cool. that'll be the move. But I started learning about it probably about a year ago and just hadn't taken the action. So here I am, but it's going to be the wealth builder for me. You'll talk to me in 10 years. I'll own like 10,000, 20,000 units and that'll be and we'll have to stay in touch. Maybe I'll join one of your groups. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Any other dreams or goals you want to chat about uh, before we kind of move on? I don't think so. I have this, like, I don't, I just don't know what this looks like, but there's this, there's this part of my future that will materialize where I will eventually be helping women and children in some capacity. So like a lot of the work that I'm doing now around like nervous system resilience and kind of like trauma informed coaching, which is like leaking into my business coaching. Like I want to bring that to people who are not entrepreneurs. And again, I don't know what that looks like yet, but that's like coming in the future is something that's not business related uh, where I'm fulfilling some kind of healing or encouraging role for women. I gotcha. I gotcha. So in some sort of healing capacity, not just any capacity, but like a healing capacity. Yeah. I, I use that word loosely because I'm not a healer, but like, yeah, I like facilitating healing. I gotcha. Well, what are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now to make these dreams and goals come true? I want to get deeper into like the the emotional work that I've started. So I got a somatic healing certification last year. Um, and that has been transformational for both myself and my clients. Like it's just helped me so much as part of this catalyst and this awareness around like the meaning and the purpose and enjoyment of life is like all stemmed from starting the somatic work. Um, but I really want more training and experience with that. And then I don't know, this is like the part that I don't want to think about, but like all the stuff we were just talking about on investments and like to the, when I have more financial abundance, like really getting strategic about what to do with that. So I did buy a book about like the basics of wealth building, like 101. It was a book that, a, that someone recommended and talks about like, I mean, I have a financial manager who manages my like retirement account, but I don't understand. Like I meet with her once a year and I'm like, it sounds like another language to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're just speaking like an alien. She's like, is it okay if we do this and this and this with your money? And I'm like, L literally whatever you say, <laughs> I have I no idea. It. Like these words don't mean anything, but I'd like to become more financially literate, like on a more sophisticated level. But I think those two things are the two things that are going to lend to my enjoyment and my wealth. Okay. Okay. And financially literate, are you talking just investments, investments and like the business side of things like mergers and acquisitions or all of it? I mean, more like the ways to make the most with my money. Mm. Like, like investing, like real estate investing or like retired, like being creative with retirement accounts. Um, even doing like a self-directed Roth IRA as opposed to just doing like a Roth that somebody's managing. Like when I have more financial space, like I just want to be more creative with like how I am using my own money. I gotcha. I gotcha. That's really cool. Do you ever, are you familiar with the concept of other people's money? Oh yeah. Using other people's money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just, yeah, I think, ah, uh... <laughs> 
We only have 18 minutes. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, financial literacy. That's awesome. Uh, when your financial advisor talks, are, is she talking about stocks and that's why it's kind of out of? Yeah, she's talking about like moving money around and like buying stocks and selling and where my retirement amount of money is invested. I see. I see. Yeah. I'm not a fan of financial advisors. I'm also fairly young, so. Yeah. Well, a statistic that that helped me was like, I know nothing about like what I should be buying and selling in stocks. And on like statistically, like the average person will make more money using a financial advisor than they do on their own if they're not like really well educated. And so then I was like, in the phase of life that I'm in right now, where I want to just make sure I'm not being completely stupid with my retirement money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to work. I work with Ed, like a representative at Edwards and Jones and I've been happy with that. I'm making money on it. We have up years and down years, but it's been consistent. And that's like, just going to let that be the thing that it is right now. Yeah. Hey, more power to you. I respect it. Um, <laughs> it's always good to have the, like, I think even Patrick Bet David, who's an entrepreneur, I like, I mean, he has financial advisors. He's worth like $400 million. So <laughs> I'm like, if he has them, they're probably good to have. <laughs> so. Awesome. Well, what are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward towards your dreams and goals? The first thing is like the mindset side. So I have a mindset routine that changes every now and then, but it always involves some kind of meditation and some kind of journaling. Um, I used to do a lot more like visioning and reading affirmations. And now right now it's more about like just daily awareness. Um, The other thing that's the other habits that are really important to me are like, I kind of have like four buckets of things I'm always working on, like personal relationship work, and then another one, (laughs) so personal relationship and health. Um, So like some of the things that have really helped me and served me well are like, well, let me make sure I'm getting like X amount of protein a day and just really building that habit over and over and over again. Like having a consistent workout routine took my husband and I years to like, we met as long distance cyclists. So like in our past life, our exercise routine was we just exercise all the time. Yeah. And then as we got older and we got dogs and we moved and bought a house and like, it's not realistic to just exercise all the time. <laughs> we just had other things to do. So establishing that routine was really helpful. Um, and I feel like that's a really important part of being successful is like taking care of your body. Um And then I always have routines around like marketing and sales. So that obviously is like a big giant bucket of what that could look like. But I've kind of landed on a routine that works for me for how I market and how I sell every month. So make sure I can meet my baseline. And then scaling is getting more creative on like how I want to go bigger. But the baseline is I do live monthly workshops, not pre-recorded webinar funnels. I do a live monthly workshop and I usually sell a low cost offer and a higher cost offer in association in relation to that. Um, and then I do a few consistent things to grow my email list every month. So it's like marketing sales, health, and mindset are like the big habits I'm really consistent with. I gotcha. I gotcha. And can you tell us a little bit about the, just for my own education, (laughs) live webinars that you do monthly? Uh, how are they different from, you know, Russell Brunson's free webinar uh, funnel? Yeah, the framework is the framework has similarities, but I am just very free form with it because it has to be fun for me. 
rules if I'm going to do it. So I break a lot of, I break a lot of rules to make it fun for me. Um, one of the rules that I break is I change the topic most months. So I've got like seven different topics I rotate through. Another rule that I break is I actually coach at the end. Um, so if people have questions, I will answer questions on the call. The other rule that I break is that my pitch is pretty soft. Um, so my sales are probably could be better from it, but like what I found doing it the way that I want to do it is that I have people that come back like every single month. Um, I'd say most of my high ticket sales have come to at least one workshop, but it's the way that I like to do it. There we go. I love it. And are you just doing classic Facebook ads to drive traffic to that uh, monthly? I'm not running any ads. Ads have been like the bane of my existence since 2021. I have really struggled to have consistent ads. So um, I do, I do audience borrowing for most of my email list growth. And then honestly I do audience borrowing for maybe half of my audience growth. And then the rest of my organic email subscribers comes from my blog. So that would took about two years to build up. Okay. And what is audience borrowing? Audience borrowing. There's lots of ways you can borrow audiences, but, um, you can buy, like an email list rental. So somebody has an email list that's related, but doesn't compete. You can say, I'll give you a couple hundred dollars to send an email to your list about my workshop. That's an email list rental. Yeah. Yeah. I call it a list rental, but there's, you can call it sponsored email or, um, I'll also do trades with people. I'll also like be in summits. Mm -hmm. So I'll teach in a summit and give away a free gift. I'll do, have you ever heard of a bundle? I've, I mean, I've heard of a bundle, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, of course, it's, it's like a word. Um, so like in the online education space, sometimes people will organize an educational bundle on a specific topic and they'll get a bunch of creators who have a course or a printable or an ebook on that topic and put it all together, either free or paid. And then everybody promotes it. And so you all kind of share audiences. The person promoting it gets a lot more emails than everybody else, but if my email if my email list is five thousand and the total email list of all these twenty creators is like a hundred thousand, I gain visibility from all of those people and anyone who wants to opt in for my thing can. So that's what a bundle is. Um, so bundle summits podcasts can be audience borrowing. Yep. So hi, hello, found you on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So those are some examples of audience borrowing. I love it. Well, what does your email list size need to be for you to be clearing 50K months consistently? I don't know if I would relate it to email list size. And 50K months, I haven't had 50K months consistently. So I had a 60K month and I've had a bunch of 20 and 30K months, but I haven't ever been at 50K months consistently. But something, I, I would say what matters more then the size of the email list is consistent new people who are relevant to what you're selling. Mm, So I would say like what's important is having like at least a hundred new email subscribers a month who are your target audience. There we go. And I would say that's probably enough. I'd say a couple hundred people, depending on your offer. If you have a high ticket offer that sells well, and you're getting in front of the right people, you could probably grow your email list by a couple hundred a month. My first five-figure month was when my email list was only 300 people. I did $14,000 with 300 people in a Facebook group. And so 
and there was 300 people on an email list, but that was like super generic email list. Um, but now like, that's my, what I'm focused on is just getting like a few hundred people every month. Mariah cause is someone I follow who said, like, if you have your offer and your avatar dialed in, you can do like, I think she said 50 or hundred K months with just getting a hundred new people on your email list every month. That's so epic. It is epic. I feel like she's, I feel like her conversion numbers must be epic. I'm like, I feel like I need more than a hundred <laughs> new people every month. Or maybe my marketing is shit, but <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah. you. Well, awesome. What character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true? Mm, leadership. Oh, and is that because you might need to scale up your team or personal leadership or tell us a little bit more? I feel like it's more on like thought leadership and an independent thinking. I feel like that when I, when I'm in my most creative, authentic, soul led self, I'm like an independent thinker. And I feel like that's what really resonates with people. And I've had, I've like, I'm in that mode right now where I can tell the things I'm posting are different than what people have read before. And it's really resonating. And I feel like that's, that's what's going to get me everywhere I want to go. Like I want to speak more often. I don't know what that looks like, but I've had like a lot more opportunities to speak recently, whether it be like podcasts or I have a live event that I was invited to this month. But I feel like the thing that matters most is like independent thinking, creative thinking, innovation. And I would put all that under leadership in a way. I gotcha. And if there were one or two people you could meet right now, this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals. Who would they be and how would they help you? Ooh, I don't know. I mean, like the only thing that comes to mind, like would be someone who my message really resonates with that has a large audience that they want to share that message with. I got you. Like people like this, I'm speaking in front of a couple hundred people in April and these people just found me on LinkedIn and reached out and asked me to speak. And I'm like, more of that, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> more of that. Yeah. I don't know what other like mentors or um, I've had so many mentors over the years and I have really great mentors right now. So, but that's the first thing that comes to mind is like someone who like, they really believe in what I'm doing and what's unique about it. And they want to share it. I gotcha. Do you know anybody that has a large audience that your message might resonate with if it got in front of them? No one is coming to mind. Um, I can feel like the vibe in my head. I'm like, who would that be? I actually have a client who is a health coach. And um, for whatever reason, his message like really resonates with financial institutions. Mm -hmm. And so he makes like at least $10,000 a month and often a lot more just from speaking. Oh, wow. And like banks, like banks and investing institutions are like inviting him to come and talk about health to their employees. Um, and so like, I want that, like, I want like a circuit of, I don't know what niche this is that, that needs my thought leadership where I could like circuit in that niche and be like the person who helps entrepreneurs in this niche become embodied, abundant entrepreneurs. 
in the unique way that I teach it. I gotcha. I gotcha. Do you know anyone? No. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. Of course, if I do think of somebody, yeah. I will definitely be making For anyone listening, back. email me at hello at alicerange.com. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. We got like really five minutes left. So we're going to blow through this final section of the podcast. But before we jump to the final section of the podcast, real quick, what is your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Only pick one of them. The easiest book, because I feel like my interests change so often, but the easiest book for me to always recommend is Habits of a Happy Brain. Ooh, I like that. I haven't heard of that one before. Yeah. It's like very encouraging, super practical, and very actionable. I loved it so much. There we go. Final series of the podcast now. These can get personal, so if you want to pass on any of them, I feel like we've already gotten real personal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Feel free to say I'll pass, and I'll just... We, we can move on. What is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life, if any? The fear that all of my success will just like dissipate overnight for no reason. I got you. Where does that come from? I don't know, but I have, it's just like this fear. I don't know where it comes from. I mean, I can think of inner child stuff, like the need for safety and support. That's where it comes from. But it's like, I have this image in my head of like, just losing everything in one moment, being homeless. And it's like, it's so unreasonable. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like, it, it, there's so many things would have to happen, but that's like my worst fear is just like not being able to take care of myself or my family. Mm, I gotcha. I bet this won't apply to you, but do you have any limiting actions that reinforce this limiting belief? Mm, I probably do like fear of trusting myself Mm. or like trying to do the thing that I think will work instead of doing the thing that I really want to do. Like that would be a way that that manifests. I gotcha. I gotcha. Is that manifesting in any specific way in your life right now? Like you're doing something that you think will work instead of what you really want to do? Not right now. Gotcha. That I can think of. There we go. If you were to change that limiting belief into an abundant phrase that really speaks to your heart in the way that you need to hear it, what would that phrase be? It's not like anything new or innovative, but my success is inevitable if I follow my heart or follow my joy. Love it. And when limiting beliefs do start to take over, what thoughts or actions do you resort to in order to take back control, refocus? I do somatic work. So if it's like a cycle that I'm stuck in, I like close my eyes and I let myself feel the intensity of it. Mm -hmm. And I see where I feel that in my body. So for example, like I feel like a heaviness in my chest and then I ask it what it needs. Yeah. Um, And then the answer could be a variety of things. I gotcha. And when you first started doing that, did you always get an answer or was it confusing? No, it's like, it takes time. And like most people are not that good at feeling in general. So it takes like practice to even be able to feel um, like emotions fully and then physically. So yeah, it's not something, but you'd have to keep practicing and journaling and then the answers come much faster. For sure. Love it. Last question for you. What is your favorite belief about yourself? 
I do really enjoy my creativity and I do really think that I'm innovative. So I really try to lean into those two things. Um, uh, that feels like a shallow answer for some reason. Like, I want to say like, my heart is so big for the world or like, <laughs> but like, I like, I really like how creative I am. Um, that's something that's fun for me that I feel pride about that. I like, I'm very productive in my work because of it. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's shallow. I think that's great. <laughs> well, cool. Allison, that's all we got for you. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? No, this has been fun. I loved our conversation. I love how we went all over the place. And I think it was really helpful for me too. So I appreciate you asking the questions and hopefully they're helpful for people listening too. There we go. We appreciate you coming on. And if people want to reach you, what's the best way to do so? I have my website, allisonreeves.co. And then the link to my free workshops is there. And they're always a mix of like super practical with lots of heart. Um, and I do really like the live interaction on those workshops, um, but I have a lot of other, I have a ton of content. So just alisonreeves.co. There we go. If you guys are listening to this and you loved what Allison had to, had to say, you loved who she is, make sure to hit her up, follow her at alisonreeves.co. That link will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys for watching. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.